This is a reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 10, verses 5 through 17, found on page 946 of the Pew Bibles. Hear these words from the book that we love. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or, Who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then they, will they call on him in whom they have not heard believed, have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. For they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord who, has believed what, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. It is... Uh, so good to be here with you all this morning, coming uh, straight from Doylestown, Pennsylvania, into uh, the city. Everyone's like, you're going to Philadelphia? Like, it's like a wild thing. It's a, it's a commitment. Um, it's so good to be with you guys uh, this morning. I, I love that, uh, uh, that, you know what, Evan mentioned that my accent is uh, southern, but uh, it, that's vague, it's very south, it's 7,500 miles south. Um, and this morning I was encouraged as we were talking about sending, and I was thinking about it, and it was my wife and I on our way here, and um, I was just thinking about this in the car, this idea that God is at work in so many places, all at the same time, and he's doing a work in southern Africa, he's doing a work in Doylestown, he's doing a work in Philadelphia, God is at work, and this morning I wanted to encourage you, and I wanted you guys to, for a second, because I don't normally do this, but uh, just say something uh, that I felt the Lord was putting on my heart for you guys this morning, but in my in my mother tongue, like to say it and not to think it through in my head and say, what does that mean in English? And then the words come out, but just to say it in my mother tongue. And um, I wanted to say this, Jesu, waku kumburere nas mawuya kuno kuchikereke kutimurumbidze mwari. And the thing that was stirred in my heart is I pray that God blesses you, that you've taken this step of faith to come into this place, into this church this morning, and I pray that you would be blessed. And I know some of you uh, 
as I was saying that, all you heard was the intro to the circle of life. Um, <laughs> so I think that's a quote from the Lion King. No, um, but it's a blessing, just blessing you to know that you can hear it with your own ears that God is at work, and He's at work in many ways that we don't see. Um, I'm excited this morning, and I'm pretty excitable. A couple of things I just wanted to say. I, I am from Zimbabwe, and so I do get a little bit loud, and I do get a little bit expressive. And during worship, you know, I always have to hold, I hold myself back because I don't want to go full Zimbabwean, especially when I'm around people who I'm like, I'm not sure how they'll take me. But I'm just like so overwhelmed by the goodness of the gospel, what Jesus did for me in my, in my life, what Jesus has done for us, it, it erupts praise in my heart. You know, I've been, we've been in, uh, in, in this area for nine years, and uh, at Covenant Church during worship, everyone would be like, we, we just don't express ourselves because, you know, we're conservative before the Lord. And uh, I was like, maybe they're just conservative people who just don't, like, express themselves. But then the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and I remember just watching people and going, you're the same person. Like, you have it in you. Now have that, a little bit of that for the gospel, because that is great greater news that we can shout from the rooftops and be excited about the work that God has done. When we're looking at Romans, especially when we're looking at the passage that was just read, we see here that Paul is sharing his desire first and foremost for those, for fellow Israelites to be saved. He's, he's, he's expressing his great desire to see people saved so that people may at least taste what he has tasted in Christ for people to know the freedom that he's found in Jesus Christ. And I love that when I was looking at this passage of Scripture, I asked myself the same question that I, I think I'll draw to you as we have a little bit of context for this passage this morning, to say, do we have that same desire this morning? Like, like this, why are we here? Why are we gathered? Why are we being encouraged this morning? It's not for it to just sit in our hearts and for it to settle in our hearts. It's not for us to, to then just receive this message and, and, and pretend that everything's okay, but actually to understand that even when we look at our own brokenness, that if we have some of that, there's a world out there that has no hope, that doesn't have the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, and therefore we should go and proclaim this message. We should share what Jesus has done in our hearts. And I've been in ministry for, for nine years, and here in the U.S. at least, and I'm always encouraged one thing is the same, right? In every part, every church, is that there's, a, there's an element of us that on Sunday mornings, we're not necessarily the realest, our realest selves, right? We come through the doors, we put on our, what I'd like to call spiritual spanks, and we, 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 like all per, we like a little bit more perfect on Sunday, amen? Even in the car, I can tell you that, and I'm the guy preaching. On the way here, it's like, oh, God, I'm not, how can you not forget your shoes, blah, 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 and then in here, and the hope, my hope is only Jesus. We're here, and we walk through the doors, and it changes, right? 
So, but, but we have this hope in Jesus, and, and, and that's what I want to just dive into. I want to dive into a few things, and, and, and the first thing I, I want to dive into is the why we sinned. The reason why we sinned is because we have tasted this hope. We have this hope. So even in, our, in, our, in the midst of the brokenness in our own lives, in the midst of the sanctification that we see happening in our lives, we do cling on to the hope that is Jesus. But the, the why is the gospel. The why is this thing that we've partaken of, this thing that we understand, this amazing news, the good news, the foundation of our faith that this is a message worth sharing. And our why is this mission that God has put us on, to go and preach the gospel. This is why we send. This is why we send. This is why you are sending. I, I'm, I'm a church planting resident at Covenant Church in Doylestown. I don't know, some of you guys might know um, Steve Uber. And, you know, Steve, we hang out and, and we're there and, at Covenant. And... Um, as a church planting resident, I, I just thought this morning how significant it is to see a church praying for Kyle and, and, and saying, Kyle, this is, this is it. This is your last day. We're actually putting our legs to our prayers. You, you, we are actually going to send you with a blessing. We're actually going to send you to go plant this church. What a beautiful thing it is to see that you guys have trusted the Lord and have had faith to say, Lord, we are going to we're going to send because we understand this why, the mission of the gospel. I want to remind us this morning, the good news of the gospel is good news always. The gospel, the reality that Jesus came and lived the life that we couldn't live, and he died the death that we should have died. And three days later, Jesus used that grave like an Airbnb, and he came out of that grave and in that, we are raised to life with him. That news saying that we find life in the resurrected Christ, that that good news can never be old news. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and like I said, I get excited because genuinely in my heart, that news cannot be stale because I know the depths of the pit that I was in and I know how powerful and mighty the arm of the Lord was to save me and pull me up out of that pit and therefore I will always give him glory and that news will never be old news. It will always be good, fresh news, and therefore it will always be worth telling. Always be worth telling. I love that in this passage, it says that it, it, there's so many everyone's in Romans chapter 10. It says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. It's talking about Jesus, that the Lord is Lord of all, all, A-W-A-A-L-L, -L. everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It says everyone. So the gospel is for everyone. There's this real emphasis that it's not to be kept to ourselves, but it is for everyone, that we ought to preach it to everyone and reach everyone. The goodness of the gospel this morning, church, is this. The reality that we didn't do anything to deserve this. And it doesn't matter who you are in this room. I know my kids have been raised. I wasn't raised in the church, but my kids are raised in the church. And I look at them, and they, they seem like they love Jesus from day one. It feels that way. But it doesn't matter. That goodness, being in church, being raised in church, that's not what saves them. It is putting their faith in Christ. So if you're in this room, it doesn't matter. Maybe you, you were born at a Chris Tomlin concert and your first word was propitiation. Like, 
you still need a Jesus. And maybe we disqualify ourselves. You say, I, I was too broken and too dirty, and, and, I, and, and, and it's impossible for Jesus to, to pull me out of my situation. It doesn't matter if your, sin of, your list of sin is as long as, as a CVS receipt, Jesus still says, I have room for you, not disqualified. It is the reality of the gospel. The furthest and the closest, Jesus did a work that is able to save us all. I love that we didn't earn it. And I tell a lot of stories, and maybe this is a little bit of the residual effect of being a youth pastor for so long. So I tell a lot of stories to illustrate the reality in our everyday lives that the gospel is real, and it, it applies to us. You know, in this passage of Scripture, as we look at this, we see that the mission, the why of sending, is to remind, is to remind ourselves, even when we look at this passage of Scripture, that the mission is not complete. That as long as there are people out there who do not know this name and not call upon the name of Jesus, do not know the reality that Jesus Christ died for their sin and rose again, we know that it is still worth telling. We didn't do anything to deserve it. You know, I asked my daughter to tell this story. I asked her for permission because she's now nine, and she said one day, Dad, before you use me as a sermon illustration, you need to ask for my permission. But it, it reminds me of how the Father's love for us, that God loved us first. And God didn't love us because, because we were good enough to be loved. But His love was just shown to us while we were yet sinners. Now, as I, I was thinking about this as a father, I, I remember years back, you know, I always talk about my daughter when I'm preaching, and someone asked, you know, you know, where's your, where, you know, you always talk about this daughter, where is she? And, and right at that moment, it was a perfect moment. She was coming up from children's church, and, and I said, you know, um, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, this is your lucky day. There, there she is. And as my finger was going to point toward my daughter, right at that moment, you know, her, her little index finger was making its way into her nostril. And it was like almost like in slow motion. I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's her. And, you know, maybe to give you some context, we're in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. I want you to know that uh, at that moment, she was the only brown girl in the group of girls that were coming up from Children's Church. I almost for a second wanted to say, you know, it's a long story, but it's actually the blonde-haired and blue-eyed girl. That's actually our kid. Long story. But, but I couldn't change my kid at that moment. I had already pointed, I'd committed, and she was in there. And all I could pray was, Lord, please don't let her put that finger in her mouth. Please, Lord. And um, my, my daughter at that moment, the, my prayers were heard, and she flicked, she flicked the booger. And... And I know it sounds gross, but I say that there is that moment, it, it gave me this realization later on when I was doing my, like my devotional was that we didn't do anything. Like we, you'll never see this on a t-shirt at a conference, but it'll say, we are the booger flippers that God has pointed at and said, hey, listen, you have done nothing to deserve. Like you actually, I'm pointing at you with my love. My love was aimed at you even when you were messing up, even when you weren't representing me, even when I was furthest from you. The father still directed his love to us. And, and in this passage of scripture, we see that, that Paul is so excited about this news that he describes 
describes, he describes those who carry the good news of the gospel as those who are having beautiful feet. He says, how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the good news. And, I, and, and he's quoting Isaiah 52, verse 7 here, when he says, how beautiful are the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. That is the quote that Paul is putting in this passage of Scripture saying, as carriers of this good news, we have beautiful feet. We are the ones that the people who are, who are, who are desperate, the poor, the, the lowly, the ones who are, who are just knee deep or neck deep in a life of sin, they're going, where are these beautiful feet? And that's why we send. We send because there is still a work to be done. There's still a mission. We send. And so this morning, I, I, I want to encourage us that as Jesus says in Luke 4, 18 to 19, he says, the spirit of the Lord is, is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to, for, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The cross is good news to the poor. There's now liberty for the captives, church. There's now sight to the blind. There's now liberty for those who are oppressed. So we as followers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we carry this good news to the poor, to the oppressed, to the captives, to the blind. There's still a mission, and this is why we sin. And we're carriers of this good news. But this good news, it doesn't just stay in our hearts, like I said. Second thing here that I want to share is that there is a how-to in this passage of Scripture. There are lots of hows. How then? How then? And you see this because Christ sends heralds and heralds preach. People hear, hearers believe, and believers call, and those who are called are saved. And, I, and, I, and those who call are saved. And in this passage of Scripture, we see here, verse 14 to 15, it says, How then? How then will they call on him in whom? They have not believed, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? I want to encourage you this morning that we need to preach the gospel. We need to send preachers. We need to send people who will proclaim the gospel. We need to be active in this. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it is clear that the Bible tells us to go. And it is clear here that we need to send people to go. We need to send people to go. Paul himself was sent, that the, very, the very passage that we're reading, sent to the Romans, he was sent to preach the gospel. He was sent to all these regions, to Corinth, to Ephesus, to Galatia. He was sent to all these regions to preach the gospel. And I want to encourage us that as we've prayed and as you've prayed and we pray in Doylestown, and I want you to know that even in my story that I'll share just a little bit later to say this, that if we don't send, God will do it himself. Like I'm saying right now, I'm a Zimbabwean living in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. There isn't a billboard in Harare, Zimbabwe that says, visit Doylestown, it's, it's amazing. There's nothing like that. It was a work of God that would say, I am going to move you from Doylestown, from Harare, Zimbabwe to Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and for the purposes, the vehicle that I'll use can be unique. The vehicle that I'll use, if no one sends you, I will do it myself. And I went to a church, the church that I was at in Zimbabwe. It was called Gateway to the Nations.
nations. Can you imagine? When I joined that church, I didn't go, ah, you know what? This church sends people all over the world. But it was in the name of the church, gateway to the nations, ascending base. God will send. God will send if we don't send. And we discern where we need to be sent. Obviously, in this particular church, you have prayed, you have discerned where Kyle needs to go, where the team that's going to go with Kyle is going to go. And I want to encourage you, church. It may seem like I'm talking about just one person and one team and one family. I know some of you are part of that team, right? And yeah, but there are many more that will be stirred up for this mission that is to, be, that, that is to go. I, I, I was so encouraged when I was talking to Pastor Evan just before this to say that, hey, we're still praying for what will happen after this, after we send, after we send Kyle, we're still going to continue continue on this mission to sin. How amazing is that? That even if it means that you'll stay in a certain size, that you will continue to sin because you know that there's a mission and you know that you've been called to sin and you're discerning that. I love that. We discern that. And we don't just sin, church. We sin as the Lord directs. As a church planting resident, if I was left to my own devices, I can tell you, I will pray until I come up with a plan for a church to be planted in Bora Bora. They need Jesus too. Or maybe in Mauritius, right by the beach. But here's the thing. We're saying, yes, Lord, I'm willing to go wherever you send me. Even if it, is, even if it costs me everything, I'm willing to go. Our hearts, may they be stirred this morning. The Jesus who has said, all authority has been given to me, now go. He has sent us with authority. And he says, go. And we don't go alone, church. We go with the Spirit of God. And we don't just go as well. We go to proclaim this message. We go to proclaim the good news. We go to proclaim the gospel. You know, there are many things that are sent. And uh, I, I grew up, like I said, in Harare, Zimbabwe. And um, I have this T-shirt that I, I, I always carried around. I always have this as a backup. And I call this my tell me you're from Africa without telling me you're from Africa T-shirt. And uh, this is a Bills Super Bowl 1991 Champions T-shirt in honor of the first day of the NFL. I'll say this, this T-shirt, right? It represents where all the T-shirts go of the wrong Super Bowl winners, right? At the end of the Super Bowl, they send the t-shirts to Africa somewhere, and, and we receive these t-shirts with the wrong information. They have all the right tags, they have all the genuineness, they feel real, they're tangible, but the information on the t-shirt is a lie. Like right now, people in Zimbabwe are just like the Eagles are starting their defense of last year's championship. There's an alternate universe where you can go and celebrate, guys. Isn't that amazing? But he, he, as, as real as this is, as tangible as this is, it is not the truth, right? And I use that illustration to say two things. The first thing is these T-shirts are sent to Africa very well-meaning because no one cares about the information. It's because people need T-shirts and so people send the T-shirt. The information is not true. It doesn't matter. It's secondary. I get that. But here's the deal. This also represents sending your unwanted stuff. No one wants it. And when we send, if we're sending with the gospel in mind, we send our best. We actually send who we wanted to keep. 
I, I pray that in this, in this church, as, as, as Kyle and the team go up, you haven't like sort of selectively handpicked people with some false encouragement that you don't want around anymore. Like, Kyle, are you really thinking about leaving? Like, how are they roping us in and everyone celebrates and they leave the room? I believe that you're sending your best. You're going, we are going to suffer. We're going to weep. We're going to be missing someone. We're going to be missing a person who added, a team that added so much to the growth of what God is doing here. But Lord, we're willing to send our best. And I also use this illustration to say, we're proclaiming the truth. When we go, there's one message, there's one gospel, and that is what we ought to proclaim. We ought to proclaim the truth. And this morning, I want us to remember that even in our own lives, maybe it's not in, in, in actually sending or going, but not to give Jesus our leftovers and the things that are unwanted in our lives but to actually say, Jesus, I want to give you the best of me. I want to give you the best of what I have. Because, Lord, it is important to me that what I send forth, even if it costs me, it's of, it's of the greatest value to me. There's no other gospel that we proclaim. It's only the truth. And then this encouragement, church, as we see the hows, and we see the who. And that's the last thing that I just wanted to share here, was this encouragement, church, is this message is not for a select few people or the professional Christians or the ones who've been in church for the longest time. Now, if your ears are hearing this and Jesus is Lord in your life, someday the Lord will send you. If not, already he's sending you in the neighborhood that he's put you in. You're not there randomly. There's no randomness to the Lord, there's purpose. When we read the Bible, we see from start to finish that God is so specific and He's so intentional, intentional about everything that happens from Genesis to Revelation. There is no, this just so happened and therefore that's why it's in God's Word. There's an intentionality in the, in the Lord. There's an intentionality in what God is doing and there's an intentionality in what God is doing in your life. So the who is us. We are the ones that God is sending. And you know, uh, this morning, I, I, as I was praying about this, and, and I haven't shared this in a while, but um, as I was praying about this, it's like, you know, when we give God our yes, when we say, yes, Lord, I'll go, we, we, have, we have no idea what God is doing. Like, we might have a little glimpse but we have no idea of what God is actually going to do with everything. Um, nine years ago, um, almost 10 years now, uh, we came to the United States. And, um, and the way we came to the United States was around about this time, 10 years ago, Covenant Church in Doylestown, Pennsylvania sent a missions team to Zimbabwe. We hosted them. It was a group of college students. It was a bunch of these college students, and we were running around the city, and, um, you know, and we're, 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 we're serving the Lord. And after, on like day four, day five, um, one, of the young, one of the young guys came up to me, and he said, Rob, he said, Rob, I really feel like God has sent me to heal someone. 
I was like, that, you know, covenants of, you know, it's like, you know, Presbyterian church. I was like, this, is, this must be the charismatic in the group. You know, I was, like, I was like, God sent you to Africa to heal someone? This is wild. So I prayed like the most faithless prayer over this guy. I said, Did you, have you healed? Has God used you to heal people in Doylestown? He was like, no. I was like, so I, I don't know why you'd start here, but anyway, uh, let me pray for you in your Birkenstocks and socks and hope the Lord does something. And I prayed a faithless prayer. It was a faithless prayer. Lord, use this guy to heal someone. Three months later, I was diagnosed with end-stage kidney failure, and I was dying. I was dying in a hospital in Zimbabwe. The doctor was like, hey, this is it. And I got a call on my deathbed from a pastor at Covenant Doylestown in Pennsylvania, and he said, Rob, we're praying for you. And they had just sent a team, and they were, they were a church on a mission. They are a church on a mission. And um, he called me again the next day. He said, Rob, we're praying for you. I was like, this is awesome. He called me again and he said, Rob, we're praying for you, but we're going to put legs to our prayers. And you know when you're the one person in need of someone to move on your behalf, someone to go, someone to go on your behalf, it is so powerful to see the, the Lord's hand move 7,500 miles away from you. Ultimately, they prayed, and, and, and the Lord convicted his heart. He said, the Lord would not let me sleep until he put my picture up in a, in a service just like this. And in that service, just so happened that the president of Doylestown Hospital was looking for a church, and he walked through the doors, and he said, if you can bring him here, I'll take care of the bill. And so they put me on a plane, and I came to Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And this church, they... They looked around for hospitals to, to, to do this surgery. I was, I was I, you know, I thought I'd come to the United States. I'd watch way too many episodes of House and ER. I thought some doctor with a cane was just going to walk in and say, you're allergic to shrimp. Hey, listen, you're, gonna, you're good, go. And it wasn't so. I, I needed a kidney transplant. And so I'm in this church, like a church, just like this, just some random guy from Zimbabwe. Bang, he's right there, kidney failure, and the church is just rallying behind this family. And um, I remember... I remember the church saying, we, we, we can't find a hospital that would do the surgery. You have no insurance. But we found a discount in Camden, New Jersey, a place known at the time as the murder capital of the United States. A hospital in Camden was like, hey, we're willing to do, <laughs> we're willing to do this kidney transplant for a discounted price of a quarter of a million dollars. I'd never seen a quarter of a million dollars in my life. It was so daunting. But the church rallied together, and they raised a quarter of a million dollars in two Sundays. And they had the money, but they had no kidney. It's like, Rob, we have the money, but we don't have a kidney. And one night, I remember, I was doing some of the young adults' ministry at the time. This young man who was on this trip in Africa, who God had sent to heal someone, came up to me and he said, Rob, I didn't tell you this, but I was tested to see if I'm a match. And Rob, I'm a perfect match. And Rob, I'm going to give you my kidney so that you would have life. And on August 26, 2014, in Camden, New Jersey, we're wheeled into these theaters. And I say this, church, I say this story to say that day, something was put in me, right? This, uh, I have to say, like, uh, this white American kidney was given to this black Zimbabwean. And, uh, and sometimes I, I think that's why I start I started loving bluegrass music after that point. <laughs> and Sperry's. But, but something was put in me. And it was, there, was no, there was no reason 
that I could think that I could orchestrate that I was going to die and God actually had sent someone ahead of time before I was even sick, before I even knew I was sick, to say God is going to use me in your life. God had sent that person on that mission trip. He could have thought that mission trip was about so many things, but never would we have ever imagined that that one missions trip with these 12 college students was about saving my life. In that moment, I never would have thought that. God is at work in our sending beyond our understanding, beyond our knowledge. This is why we go, because we're trusting Him. I look at my own life, and this morning I want to encourage you as I, as I close. See, the message of the gospel is this, that we, we have been loved. We have been transformed. And we haven't been transformed into just being nominal Christians. We've been transformed to be, to be, to be that the old, the old man is dead, the old person's dead. We're now alive in Christ. And this reality is, is even in that story, even as he was giving me that kidney, even as he was telling me he was giving me that kidney, he said the Holy Spirit convicted him and said, would you do this for your brother? And he said, in a moment, I'll do it. And he felt the Holy Spirit say, are you not brothers with Rob in Christ? Not kind of brothers, not church brothers, but real brothers. Church, that's what we've been called into. Jesus has given us a ministry of reconciliation, it says in 2 Corinthians. That is what we've been called to, to proclaim this message that we have been reconciled. Therefore, we've been sent to reconcile others to Christ. This morning, I want to encourage you. If you are maybe sitting far from the Lord, I want to encourage you. This work has been done. Jesus has already finished the work. On the cross, he said it's finished. All we have to do is freely receive. You don't have to disqualify yourself, and you don't have to think too highly of yourself. All you have to do is receive. And maybe we're in this, in this, in this church this morning. I want to encourage you with this as well, just to remind you that this morning, maybe, you, maybe God has been stirring something on your heart, and you just can't see the end goal. Maybe the first step is the simple step of obedience to say, yes, Lord, I'll go. If you send me, Lord, I'll go and I'll trust that you're working something even if I can't see ultimately what you're doing. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, even as we're reminded, Lord, we're reminded of your body that was broken for us, Lord, your blood that was shed for us, Lord. Lord, may that never be old news, Lord. May that good news never be old news. And so, Father, this morning, Lord, as we partake, Lord, of the things that we'll partake of, Lord, as we worship, Lord, as we continue to worship, Lord, I pray, Lord, that it will never depart from our hearts, that you have done this amazing work, Lord, but it's not to be kept to ourselves. Lord, may we be daring enough to pray. Lord, send me, I'll go. I pray that for this church this morning. I pray that for all of us this morning. And it's in your mighty name, Lord, we pray. Amen.